Once again, I want to welcome everybody to this portion of our worship. I'm so glad that you're here with us. If you're joining us online, we welcome you as well and hope it's a blessing to you in some way. Looking forward to when we can all gather together on site once again without any concerns. And um, maybe that day will be not too far off, perhaps. But we, of course, uh, want to make sure that we do things in an appropriate and safe way. Glad we get to worship together. I appreciate every one of you. We're going to be studying from Luke 11. I do hope you'll turn there with me. It'll mean more to you if you're looking at this in your own Bible. Luke chapter 11. As we talk about the good news about your father, with a capital F, we will talk a little bit about fathers, lowercase f, at the, at the beginning. I forgot my uh, clicker here. Um, when you... Um, This has never happened before. <laughs> Michael Doolin started playing there on my phone. Y'all know Michael. All right, so uh, Luke, Luke chapter 11. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed when I was uh, studying this text the last, uh, last week is how much in this, in this passage Luke talks about fathers. And actually, actually throughout the gospel he talks about fathers. Um, there's this... Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, all right? Uh, it's, it's Luke 11. It's a little bit different from Matthew 6. Still uh, a, a version of what we used to call the Lord's Prayer, maybe the model prayer, the disciples' prayer, or whatever. Uh, the, the, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and so on. Matthew gives a, a little bit of a different version in Matthew 6 from the Sermon on the Mount than, than Jesus gives here. But I think it's fascinating because in this, in this text, what happens is the disciples who had been praying all their lives, they were brought up in Jewish homes, they knew a lot about prayer, they had been praying these rote, memorized prayers all the time, so they, they had been praying a lot. I mean, they had prayed in their lives you know, thousands of times, but something they saw in the life of Jesus made them know, hey, we don't know anything about prayer. So they came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We, we, we need to know about prayer. And so Jesus' response is he gives them this model prayer, this, this prayer, and he begins it, here in Luke 11, and then in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, Father, Father. But here's the thing I hadn't noticed about this, and I think this is pretty interesting. Luke 11 is, is followed immediately by, a lot of times I think about the Lord's Prayer, I think about it in isolation from the context, for whatever reason. We got the prayer, you know, you got the prayer. Memorize the prayer, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. memorizing it and saying the prayer. Um, but... The, the problem with that, especially here in Luke, in Luke 11, is he gives it in response to a question, and then he follows it up with something else. And whenever you study the Bible, it's a pretty bad mistake to pull out any section and then not look at what comes right after it or what comes right before it. And so we got what we've got here in Luke 11, just look at it. I mean, I read it earlier, but you've got the prayer, all right, two through four. Leads not to temptation, he concludes it here. But then he says this, he tells this story about, you, you got a friend who comes to you at midnight and wants, wants some bread. Well, again, this is just an illustration Jesus is using. He says, you, you're not going to give him any bread because he's your friend. Uh, he's making a point. He's not, gonna, he's not saying that you, you, most people wouldn't open their door and give a friend some bread at midnight if that's what he needed. But he's using an illustration from the lesser to the greater. And, and he goes on to say, but even if you were inclined not to get out of your bed at midnight to give your friend some bread, if he kept on knocking, you eventually would. You would. 
You would do that for somebody, even if he kept on asking. But then, again, can't take that out of the context because he goes on and he, and he says this. He says, verse 9, I tell you, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it'll be open to you. And then he, he gets to his main point. What father among you? Here's the lesser to the greater, all right? From the evil to the good. What father among you? Your son asked for a fish, you're going to give him a serpent. If he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. If, he, if, if you who are evil, when compared to God, if you who are evil will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So do you see in this text, I want you to make this connection. Starts it off by saying, Father, hallowed be your name. He's talking about prayer here. Here's how you pray. Go to, the, go to your father. And then he tells a story about going to somebody and asking for bread. And then he follows it up by saying, hey, you guys, you know, you're evil when you compare to God. But even you wouldn't give your son a rock if he asked for a bread. You, know, you wouldn't give him, you wouldn't give him a, a serpent or, or a scorpion if he asked for something that he needs. You wouldn't do that. None of you, none of you would do that. How much more? Will God respond to our request? So this whole section here is about coming to God the Father. But in view of this moment, you know, what, where we are today, I, I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about this part of it. Our, our fathers, lowercase f here, plural fathers here, our earthly fathers, we say thanks today. I want to use as a metaphor the parable that Jesus tells us here with uh, your friend comes to you at midnight asking for bread. He comes to the doorstep. There's a sense in which this parable is being told from this perspective. You are the person who comes to your friend at midnight. You're the person standing on the doorstep and you are asking for something. I want to use that as a metaphor a little bit to, to say this. Here at the beginning, on Father's Day today, you and I stand on the doorstep of our fathers, and instead of asking for something, we say thanks. You know, that's, a, that's what we're doing today. And I know everybody in here, you got a father. Some, some people have lost your, your fathers. And we want to acknowledge, you know, this is a, a day that probably is, is, is a good one for some. It's a sad day for others. And I recognize that those emotions are probably present. But it's a day for us to reflect on that. It's a national holiday, you know. Maybe it's a good time for us just to say, if we've got a, if we've got a living father, we say, Dad, um, I'm not calling because I need anything. I'm not even calling for advice today. I'm not calling because I, you know, I, 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 I need anything. I just, I just wanted to say, hey, Dad, uh, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for being a father who provided. Thanks for being a father who loved. Thanks for, for being a father who responded. And I know that's not true of all dads. But I think it's, it's important for us to reflect, and, and that's why I want to transition here to talk about God the Father, because even when we don't have an earthly father who models for us what it means to be a God seeker, we do have a father who responds to us. And that's why I think Jesus acknowledging that we are evil. We, we fathers, even, even Christian fathers who are trying, you know, we recognize how inadequate and how, how poorly we do this thing so often. 
But Jesus, Jesus wants to take us from that to something bigger. And he says, we stand on the doorstep of our Father, you know. And, and I want, that's really where I want to focus most of our time right now. And that is this. We stand on the doorstep of the Father. So that, that parable, in, in starting in verse 5, which of you has a friend, goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. See, see, what Jesus is doing there is he's using that as an illustration for what you and I do. We stand on the doorstep of our Father. We come to our Father at midnight, and we knock on the door, and we are, we, we have nothing. You know, we have nothing. You don't go to your friend's house at midnight and ask for three loaves of bread if you aren't in a pretty desperate situation, right? So that whole parable illustrates this this stance of, I don't have anything at all. You go to a friend's house at midnight and say, I need some bread. That means you're hungry. It means your family's hungry. It means you don't have anything to provide and, and so, or anything to offer. You, you just come with empty hands and say, Father, I need just something. I need some sustenance. I need something. So we, that's us. You know, in the, in the parable, we are the ones who come to the doorstep of the Father and we say, I need, some, I need some bread. We're asking for bread. We don't have anything to give at all. I want to circle back in a minute to think about how God responds. I, I heard a story, though, a while back. You, you guys remember Burt Reynolds? Some of you, many of you do. Uh, maybe some of the younger folks uh, don't remember Burt Reynolds. He kind of started breaking into TVs, TV shows, I think in the 1960s, and really got pretty well known in the 70s and 80s, but anyway, he was being interviewed by Barbara Walters some years ago. He, he passed away in 2018, I think. So this was, this was years ago. He was being interviewed by Barbara Walters, and he was talking about his dad. I don't, I don't remember why, <coughs> but he's talking about his dad, who was a sheriff in a small southern town, beloved by everyone, but he, and as was the custom or tr- tradition, especially in former days, he was very, very strict with his son. Uh, Burt Reynolds respected his dad. Uh, he was afraid of his dad. And he, like, like a lot of uh, kids, I think, who grew up in that era, he, he yearned for some sign of tenderness or approval from his dad, who was not very free with those sorts of things. In the interview, Burt Reynolds said, Our family lived by two simple rules. No crying, no hugging. He went on to say, there's a saying in the South that no man is a man until his father tells him he is. And I hadn't yet got that message from my father. I kept hoping someday I'd hear it. Yearning for a message of approval from his dad. In the meantime, Burt Reynolds, <coughs> his dreams of becoming a professional football player were destroyed. He had a, a pretty significant injury. His hopes of being an actor at that point were growing dim. Um, they told him he looked like Marlon Brando, but he didn't have any talent. Um, he, uh, in, this is in the 1960s, I think, um, he was known as the, the best-known unknown in Hollywood at age 32. And then his marriage fell apart, marriage to Judy Karn. In this interview, he was talking about this. This would, this would be the first divorce in his family. He remembers staring at his phone knowing that he had to call home and break the news, but afraid that his dad would answer the phone instead of his mom. But wanting more than anything to hear his father's voice, he's standing there 
staring at the phone, not able to make himself pick it up. Uh, I, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, okay? And I'll finish that, that, that part of it. But, but I want to pause here and say something to us about our own quest for approval and our own desire to be loved and to be, to, to, for there to be affection toward us. It's this innate desire that we have, have that Burt Reynolds was expressing as a grown man and he still desperately needing his dad's something, you know. I wish we could go there to Burt Reynolds and maybe talk to him about Father, the Father, you know. But you look at the, the life of Jesus and you look at the people who came to Jesus, the people in, in Luke 8 who were in the middle of that storm on the Sea of Galilee and the winds were raging and the waves were hard and they felt like they were dying. Jesus was asleep and they went to him and they said, help us, we're dying in this storm, you know. That was in Luke 8. Jairus, a leader in the synagogue, went to Jesus and said, my 12-year-old little girl, she's sick and she's dying. Help me, Jesus. A woman with a flow of blood for 12 years came to Jesus. I need your help. A leper who had suffered physical pain and social isolation through most of his adult life came to Jesus and said, if you will, if you choose to, you can help me. Coming to Jesus, you know, and asking him for that deepest desire. And two, to the, to the disciples on, on the boat, Jesus said, actually to the storm, he said, peace be still. You know, to Jairus' daughter, Jesus said, get up, wake up. To the woman with the flow of blood, he said, your sickness is done. To the, to the leper who came to him, he said, I do choose. You are clean. It's just interesting. When people came to Jesus, he responded to them by giving them what they really needed. And in our, in our passage in Luke 11, you know, what happens after he tells this story that we're talking about, he comes back and he says, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You have a father who responds. We stand on his doorstep. Let me, let me, can I say something to you? I know we've got people, different points on the spiritual spectrum right now, but um, I think it ought to be said to you guys that, and people tuning in online, you're searching, I'm searching for something. We're searching for approval. We're searching for love. And so often we go to the wrong places for that. But what we need is love from the one who created us. And until we find that love, until we really believe that we are loved, we're going to be in this continual search for something that this world can't provide us. Here's a, here's a third idea. You knock on the door at midnight. You have nothing in your hands. You don't bring anything to the table. You don't have any currency. You don't have anything to exchange. You don't have any, you don't, you, I, I'm, I can't work for this bread. I can't give you money for this bread. I can't exchange some other commodity for this bread. I don't, I don't have anything. I just, need, I just need some bread. I just need, I need your favor, Father. Does he answer the door? I mean, you guys know the answer to this question. I know, but 
You know, I think there are a lot of people in our world who need, who need to know this. You know, they need to know that they have a creator, a father, who answers the door at midnight, and he gives us not only bread, but he gives us what we truly, what we truly need. Burt Reynolds was staring at that phone, trying to, trying to develop the courage to call home, hoping that his mom would answer. So he could tell them about his pending divorce. His mom, uh, he picked up the phone and he dialed his parents' number with shaking hands and thankfully his, his mom answered the phone. He said, Mom, Judy and I are getting a divorce. No, it's final. Mom, tell him I'm sorry. Tell him I failed again and that I'm sorry. And then, Burt Reynolds says in this interview, he said, I heard this other voice on the phone. Why don't you come on home, son? My father said. And let me tell you about all the times I've failed in my life. I wonder, uh, I wonder how that reflects sometimes our own quest. Sometimes from dad, sometimes from mom, sometimes from some other sort of parental figure in, in life, or some sort of person, somebody we respect. But we, we crave a word that says, you're okay, you're okay, you know, I accept you, I, I, I forgive you, I, I favor you, or whatever it is. When we get to the doorstep, and we knock on the door at midnight, and we say to God, I don't, I don't, have, any, I don't have anything to offer, only to thy cross I cling, nothing in my hands I bring. We knock on the door at midnight. Does he answer the door? You go on through the Gospel of Luke, and what you're going to find is Luke is, seems to be fascinated by emphasizing Jesus' teaching on Father, on God as Father. In fact, if you turn the page or two and go to Luke 12, you'll notice in 28 through 34, these words probably will sound quite familiar to you as well because they're also in the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and he says this, Luke 12, 28, If God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O little faith? God's going to take care of you. That's what he's saying. And don't seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. All the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father, there's that emphasis again, your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdoms and seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. I love this phrase, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You knock on my door, ring my doorbell at midnight, you'd probably do so a little bit nervously if you needed some bread, you know. Um, Anybody's house, right? You know, I'm going to wake them up. I don't. I don't. I hope they're not. Hope they're not irritated. I hope they're not bothered by this. You know. Uh, you knock on God's door at midnight. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not a hint of irritation in His voice. Not the slightest hesitation in His response. Instead, God showers us with the very thing that we need at midnight, at 2 a.m., at 
4 a.m., you have a father. I know, I know, in any crowd of people, people tuning in online, I know in any crowd of people, you may have a hard time understanding that from your own mom or dad, somebody who was supposed to care for you, perhaps. But you've got somebody who answers the call. He always opens the door. He always smiles and he gives generously, consistent with his own nature, not yours. That's the thing about the Father that we have. That's, that's Luke 12, the Father's good pleasure. You go over to Luke 15 and you have those three pretty famous stories. A shepherd has a hundred sheep and he loses one. A, a woman has ten coins and she loses one. A man has two sons and he loses one. And you remember the culmination of the story is when that son, after having wasted his entire inheritance, comes limping home with his heart pounding, his, his hands were, his, his, he, was, he was sweating, his, having a hard time getting up the courage to, he'd worked on that speech for a while, you know. And his father disregards all cultural norms concerning respectability and takes off running. With his good pleasure, he gives you the kingdom. Father takes off running. That's the Father we serve. Even when Jesus was on the cross in Luke 23, he still, he still focused on God as Father. For you and me, I know for the people around the cross, people who had nailed him to the cross, but in a very real sense, you and I are there in the crowd. You know, we're the onlookers, we're the, we're the ones. We're, our sins put him on the cross. And it is for those people and for, for us people that he prayed this prayer Father. Again, Father. Remember what he said? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Even on the cross, Jesus is directing his prayers to God as Father. Luke 24, one more, one more. Last chapter of Luke, still the word Father. It's just interesting how... This uh, emphasis is throughout the Gospel of Luke. Luke 24, 49. He gathered with the apostles outside of Jerusalem near Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And he gives this last charge to them. He says, you're going to teach repentance and remission of sins beginning at Jerusalem. But he says this. Behold, I give you the promise of my Father. Promise of my Father. God keeps his promises. And that, of course, with the Holy Spirit who would come on the apostles at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and they would carry out the commission for which they had been called. But, but here's, the, here's the idea. God is the Father who keeps His promises. And not only does He give us bread, but He gives us Himself. He gives us the Spirit. He dwells within us. It's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It's His good pleasure to give us the Spirit. Bread is a token. Bread is nothing. God wants to give us so much more. I wonder all the gifts that God would have given us if we had only asked Him. Sometimes we're asking for bread and we ought to be asking for a whole lot more. God, out of His riches, perhaps, would give us... Not, I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about God's grace, His forgiveness, His mercy, His blessings, His opportunities. But I want to close by saying one more thing. And that is, there's a prayer that Jesus prayed. And he directed his prayer to the Father. It's in Luke twenty-two forty-one. 
1 and 42. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is a prayer that God did not answer with yes. Oh, my Father, Jesus prayed with his sweat and blood mingling together. In his desperation, in his sorrow, Jesus cried out, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And God said no. God said no. God said no to him so he could say yes to us. God said no to Jesus the Son. The Father said no to Jesus the Son so that God could say yes to us as his sons and daughters. Isn't that amazing thing that Jesus went to the cross? He went to the cross, and that is God's emphatic statement of yes to you and to me. Yes to our desire for favor. Yes to our craving for acceptance. Yes to our need for forgiveness. He said no in the garden so that he could say yes on Friday at Calvary. Yes to you as a person. Yes to your identity as one who is, who is created and loved and favored, and forgiven, accepted. That desire that Burt Reynolds was expressing, however inadequately, it's a real human need to... To, to, to be favored, to, to be forgiven, to be accepted, you know? We have that in God, only in God, only, only in Christ. If you're not a, not a Christian this morning, the invitation we extend on God's behalf, on, on Jesus' behalf, is come to, come to Him. Stand on the doorstep of God this morning. Just to stand on the doorstep, knock on the door, and God will answer the door. He always answers the door. It is His good pleasure to answer the door. God does it with a smile, without the slightest hesitation, and He welcomes you in as you give your heart and your life to Him, trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. God says yes. God answers the door. God gives the bread. God gives the Spirit. God gives the kingdom. God gives forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so you come to him and God will take off running and he will accept you. It's a beautiful thing to have God as our father. If you need to come home today, you've obeyed the gospel some time ago, but your life has not reflected a child of God. Why don't you come back today? Come back and God will accept you with open arms and with a smile on his face. Let's stand, let's sing. If you need to respond, I hope you'll come.